0: Hello and welcome to the FlixBorn Podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original in the order of release. This episode, we have Netflix's 165th film from 2019. It's the spy thriller, The Red Sea Diving Resort. It's directed by Gideon Raff, stars Chris Evans, Michael K. Williams, Hayley Bennett, Michelle Hoosman, Alejandro Navarra, Greg Kinya, and Ben Kingsley. I'm Jesse and I'm here with MJ. Hello.
1: How are you mate? you derailed yourself then on the, uh,
0: yeah. on the pronunciation. I was trying to be trying to be clever and it just didn't work. <laughs> You're doing a good job too. Yeah, I was thought I'd try and put some, you know, some accents in there and it just yeah, I screwed myself up. That's okay. Alessandro Navola. That one's yeah, that one's pretty straightforward too. It's very, yeah, uh, very straightforward. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, we, we're here to chat about a, a film with Chris Evans, which is pretty exciting, a bit, um, bit of Captain America in the in the house. And mm. I'm going to put it out there earlier. We're, we're gonna, probably going to spoil this film if you don't know this story um, early on because, you know, I think maybe going in without any context would be nice for this one. Um, and I, I did struggle throughout to not just, in my notes writing now, oh, Cap, 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 it's Cap, Captain America, but... Um, <laughs> we'll go from there and we we do like to start our show off with our fast flicks where we do a quick summary of what the red Sea diving resort is about so what's what, what are your thoughts on this one
1: I know I know Chris Evans is obviously captain America but for me I fell in love with him when he was in the losers what was that that was probably like 2007 eight nine something like that and he was just so funny and he he'd like bulked up from like his not another teen movie days and But he was just hilarious. And I was like, oh, Chris Evans is kind of great. And then he became Captain America and he became who who Chris Evans is. But he's always in my head. He's always going to be that character from The Losers. And he was so funny in that. I'd recommend anyone.
0: I've got a soft spot for that film. He was in some some, um, rom-com with the chick from Scary Movie, was he? Yeah, Anna Faris. It's called What's Your Number? I've actually got that that on Blu-ray. Oh, really? Yeah, that was my, yeah. uh, like, I remember that clearly of, of him being a younger, um, not as cool character. <laughs> yeah, real comedy. Like, he, he went in real comedy route for a while.
1: Yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on. Fast Flicks. Hit us up. <laughs> Red Sea Diving Resort, though, is based on a true story where Israeli agents run a fake diving resort in Sudan to covertly free Ethiopian refugees from local
0: savages good it's very hard to be uh, any different to you so it's a, a group of agents uh helped uh, to, through some agencies to purchase a rundown resort in Sudan uh, to help smuggle refugees to safety I had no idea what this
1: movie was about um I remember I remember it when it came out and I remember it was you know a big film Chris Evans bit of action all this kind of stuff and when I started watching it I was just like hang on This is not exactly, I didn't know it was um, based on a true story. I didn't know it was about a war-torn country. I had no idea any of this stuff. I thought it was just like an action thriller about these people who had this big fight at a diving resort somewhere. (laughs) That was it. So I
0: I was completely led astray. I listened to a true crime podcast a couple of years ago that actually went through this story. So um, the, the story was familiar to me. Which I don't know whether it added anything to 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 the watching of this film, but um, yeah, I definitely uh, I knew the the story and the background, but yeah, obviously listening to a podcast gives you different visions of, of what you expect to see, and and my memories of the this was that it was a grand resort. So obviously I got that completely wrong because uh, um, this this resort was anything but nice. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> Um, we, we should talk about how this was put together and how it uh, appeared on Netflix. So fill us in on some background behind this.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of already started talking about it, but it's, it's, it's loosely, the film itself is loosely based on the events of Operation Moses and Operation Joshua, which together are referred to as Operation Brothers. Um, and that operation was, it was where Ethiopian Jews were covertly moved from refugee camps in Sudan Israel during the 1980s. I think it must have been late 70s and 80s. Because I think this, this movie was based, on, started in like 78, 79. Anyway, um, so the actual resort itself was was abandoned. It was called the Araus Holiday Village on the Red Sea. It was located roughly 70 kilometres from Port Sudan and was managed by the Mossad operatives until 1985. So it was going for quite a while. Um And we kind of first heard about this, I say we, uh, the general public first heard about these operations when Agad Shimron released a book in 1998 uh, called Mossad Exodus, The Daring Undercover Rescue of the Lost Jewish Tribe. Um, But it has been said that this film itself isn't necessarily associated with the book. But I'm sure with all um, covert operations by uh, any kind of CIA-type group, you're not supposed to reveal this kind of stuff until way after it's happened. So that's probably why it's came to light in the late 90s and sort of coming to light more and more uh, now. So what I can gather, it was August 2015. Fox Searchlights had purchased the right to the film. Um, they began developing, or the, the, the announcement of the development was in March 2017, so a couple of years later. And Gideon Raff was on board to direct. He'd already written the screenplay. Uh, and Chris Evans and Hayley Bennett also uh, on board in the cast. The filming actually started in June 2017, took place at the Cape Town Film Studios in South Africa and Namibia. Um, and whilst part of the development was done by Fox Searchlight, by the time that actually shot the movie, it was already out, of Fox Searchlight, they that already moved on from it. They shot it as an independent film. Uh, and by the time Netflix came on board to acquire it, the movie was actually already edited and basically completed. And that was around February 2019. So um, nearly, uh, probably a year and a half, two years when they actually started filming was when Netflix came on board with the distribution rights of a film that had essentially already been made. So it had its world premiere at the San Francisco Jewish Film Festival on the 28th of July, 2019. Uh, And then it was released on Netflix three days later on the 31st of July. And I think it's worth pointing out that there have been a few negative reviews. Some critics have sort of called them out for putting forth this whole white savior narrative, um, basically privileging the roles of the Israeli Mossad agents led by Chris Evans's character. Um, Gideon Raff said in the statement that the Ethiopian community were true partners in this operation, and they are the real heroes of the story. Uh, and he noted that it was important to him to cast actors from the Ethiopian community in the film. But I totally understand that criticism. It sort of does scream out a little bit, uh, the whole white saviour when you are watching the film. Not to say that that may not have been what happened, but clearly there's a lot of Ethiopians or a lot of Sudanese or Ethiopian people who played a huge part in
0: in this actually being successful. So that's, uh,
1: that's what I've got so far.
0: So, yeah nice uh, nice summary altogether. I don't have an awful lot of extra to add. I think um, as you mentioned after it did uh, hit Netflix it did play another film festival in Poland in November of 2019. so it did have another theatrical release a little bit later on. I guess just back to that idea of the operation sort of um and uh, and obviously when we see films like this I think we did a a film a while ago called The Angel which sort of was the Mm -hmm. same sort of it's not the same sort of film but like it still covers sort of undercover operatives and things like that and um there's always going to be things that are edited out or changed um to protect identities and things like that and in particular, some events in this one probably were were portrayed a little bit differently to, you know, for a a film length feature time because, you know, this whole operation ran, like you mentioned earlier, from 1979 to like 84. So as we see in the film, there's these boat evacuations that occur and realistically, these were too slow. and, And in the film, it sort of comes together that, you know, Ari has this idea that let's, let's fly them out sort of thing. But in reality, you know, there, there were 17 airlifts of, of flying oh, people right. out, not, not, not just the one big dramatic one at the end of the film. Like this was something that they were able to do over and over again, over again. So, you know, just, just little bits and pieces that, um, you know, you've got to change to make a film and, and make it engaging for an audience. You can't, I mean, they, they showed a montage of it with the boats, but obviously doing that again with the planes probably wouldn't have, have worked as well. Um, tagline. Do you say a tagline for this one? No, I didn't. I had two. <laughs> so um and they're both on the same post. So the first one says inspired by real events. So, yeah, okay, thanks. That's that, that not a Tagline us- though. That, that, that's just letting you know that it's just <laughs> Well, then the second one is in the 1980s, one partnership saved thousands of lives. So that uh, were the the two the two lines on the poster. They Um, do work well together, actually. (laughs) They're they're both on there together. So, um, yeah, very dull, very boring, very monotonal. Um, The the translation. So, obviously, we mentioned before about it that it was called Operation Brothers. That was the alternative title across the world for this in, in many countries. The only other good one that, that I could find was in Japan. It was called Miracle Rescue Plan. That was um mm. nice little positive spin on on this
1: one. I think the Japanese get it right so often with their titles. Uh, <laughs> very very literal. I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's this movie about? Oh, it's about hero.
0: Whatever whatever you yeah. just said it was. I can't even remember. It <laughs> sticks in your mind. Um, I had a percentage <laughs> match for, for this one. So did I. Oh, uh, uh, good. All right. What, what fill us in? What did you get?
1: I had 78%, which uh, I normally get pretty high percentage matches because I always forget to put the thumbs down on movies I don't like. But um, yeah, I got 78%
0: and that's that's fine. I got 67 so a little bit lower. So we'll have to work out and see whether Netflix are on track when we give our uh, overall scores at the end to see whether they, we, we match up. All right, consensus time. What, what are people saying about this film? Yeah, yeah. Um...
1: It's quite different between IMD and Letterboxd, which doesn't surprise me, but it's a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, 27,000 ratings, and a 2.8 out of 5 on Letterboxd, just under 10,000 ratings. The thing that got me was how few people have actually seen this film. I, I, I remember it coming out. I kind of thought it was a big-ish release for Netflix. Chris Evans is a massive draw card. Um it just surprised me that not that many people have actually seen it. I mean, they're they're not terrible numbers, but for what this movie is um, they're pretty low, but 6.6 is great for IMDb. 2.8 is modest, probably a bit under par on letterbox. So um, it's kind of hard to get a
0: good read from those numbers, but it's middle of the road, I guess you could say. Yeah. Really surprised me the letterbox numbers too. I thought, I didn't think that this would be under 10,000 at all. Like, Mm. you know, You'd be thinking with some of the, the the Netflix films with big name cast members like you mentioned, you got a lot higher numbers. So, a bit of a yeah. surprise. Um, and if we head over to Rotten Tomatoes, the critics definitely didn't like this one. Uh, sits at twenty nine percent on forty one reviews. So, so rotten. But in, in a big uh, contrast, the audience has it at seventy eight percent. So, yeah. um a lot higher. And that was on over five hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. That's that's really high for Rotten Tomatoes. So Not bad for um, rot. So audiences in general are seeming to enjoy this a bit more than than your, your critics, I guess.
1: I just had a quick look then, and we did the movie Secret Obsession last week, which is a, a festering turd of a film, and that had 15,000 ratings on Letterboxd. So it had more people on Letterboxd watching Secret Obsession uh, than this. So that's that, that would be disappointing for Netflix.
0: I think so too. Um, Let's lead into our early thoughts on this one. Fill us in on uh, what your thoughts are.
1: I, I generally did enjoy this. Um, I couldn't help but think of it as a poor man's Argo in so many aspects. And when that first thought jumped into my head, that like, oh, this is really similar to Argo, I couldn't shake. It. I couldn't shake it at any point because every time something else happened, I'm like, oh, that's what happened in Argo. And I, I kind of get that. Uh, there's probably just a lot of similarities to these two missions that actually happened where they pulled out a a fake uh, event to try and save people from a country that anyway but it just makes me wonder if this film actually gets made if not for the success of Argo and and look for what it's worth I loved Argo and and whilst Red Sea Diving Resort was a pretty decent ride it just lacked, lacked a bit of punch it lacked a bit of urgency certainly lacked that breathlessness that you get when comparing it to a movie that won best picture don't get me wrong but and i think it's interesting that you mentioned about the um you know the the 17 airplane evacuations this film never felt like it had a climax and i think in the story there probably never was a climax and they had to reinvent it and um yeah i i, I could feel that was missing
0: yeah i am mean, like, like i mentioned before like i i knew bits and pieces of the story from listening to a podcast a couple of years ago and and i, I think it's a really good story to see, but I'm sort of on the side a little bit with some of the, the critics that we've probably seen of this film in that I wanted more context behind the need for the refugees fleeing the civil war um, mm-hmm. rather than just the whole focus being on the rescue efforts. Like, it's it's great to see that, but you need to have the context behind that rather than just being like, they're being chased, so we need to get them out. Like, give us a bit more background knowledge rather than just a short voiceover at the start and at the end. But I, I, I think it... It was still an engaging film and it was still well-made and, and well-performed and looked nice. It's just uh, the, the narrative, I needed a little bit more from it. I totally agree with that.
1: And I'm going to plead massive ignorance here that I didn't even know that there were Ethiopian Jews. I, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know necessarily know why they were there and I didn't know why they had to come out. Like it, it, You're so true. You have to just take a leap of faith that go, well, this is what they have to do because it's what
0: they have to do and then just go with it. Yeah. All right, well... Talk about some characters in this one. Um, I, I've struggled with this. I don't know how you've gone, but let's. Uh, there, there's a whole variety of people in this film But yeah. probably will only focus on a, on a couple, I'd say. So who are you going to start with? Well, I also wanted to say, and this has nothing to do with, well,
1: maybe it does have nothing to do with the film, but... It always annoys me when IMDb lists the casts in order that they appear on screen, and I'm sure it is reflective of how they appear in the credits. But it's really, really frustrating for me, for me when I'm actually whether I'm researching a film afterwards, but even jumping onto the film just to see who who's who, because you do jump on IMDb quite a lot in a film, and it just annoys me. With like the first four people are like they don't even have their little picture on IMDb, yeah. like they've never done anything before because they're in this they're in the movie for twelve seconds. It just annoys me. So come on, get it right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We're obviously going to start with with Chris Evans' character, Ari Levinson. I think it's worth noting Ari Levinson isn't a real person in real life, obviously just generally based on the people that completed these missions. But look, he's a flawed hero, but he's he's flawed in the sense that he's blinded by doing everything he can possibly do to free these refugees. So if that means abandoning his own wife and daughter or or disobeying orders from people who are in charge subsequently risking his own life on a basically on a daily basis, then he'll do it. Like that's, that's, that's how he's flawed, which is kind of commendable. Um, but he also goes about things the wrong way sometimes. And, and he, he arguably takes unnecessary risks that kind of align with his real brash and reckless nature. And, and the film does try to acknowledge his flaws and they reference them quite a bit. But when you cast Chris Evans in this role, you can only go so far as to see this man isn't like the perfect hero. Like, yeah, he's doing the wrong thing, but oh God, he's got such good intentions. Like he's, he's America's sweetheart, right? He's Captain America. <laughs> so, so the audience is going to love him because it's Chris Evans and his recklessness therefore gets heralded as bravery. For me, when people do stupid things to escalate the plot, you can only win me over so far. Like when the plot escalates because the story is so airtight and the protagonist is completely cornered, then you've got my attention because that's the direction it has to go in. But when they, they get themselves in trouble because they do stupid things, it kind of loses me a little bit. And that's what happened a fair bit in this
0: movie with, with, um, with Ari. Yeah. I think um, everything you've said is hundred percent correct. And, and I'll just hark back a bit on that idea that, is not real so it's a composite of a a whole bunch of of different people from this time so realistically the writers of this had the ability to create this character almost with whatever traits they wanted with whatever Mm -hmm. whatever ability whatever they wanted to do and and for me the idea that they are tying that idea that he was a refugee himself and and like you mentioned struggling with that connection with his with his daughter and um you know they try to make that connection through him rescuing this one kid and the recklessness that you spoke about and and the impact that it has on Sammy because of this leave no one behind attitude I need to do the right thing these are all fine like you mentioned all fine but they don't do a good job of connecting them all well enough or tying them all Mm. into to to create this this character that obviously like we mentioned it's Chris Evans so you've got to have of course, you're going to have a, an up and a down and down moments and struggles and things like that. But it was like they were almost just like little dropped in here. Oh, we better drop something in at the start so we can have a connection later. And we better have a something that actually connects him to the refugees. Whereas maybe you didn't need all of that. You just need this mm. guy that's doing the job because he loves the job and he wants to do the right thing rather than adding all these extra layers in if you're not going to cover those layers properly.
1: It's a good point. Yeah, it's a really good point and and they had that freedom to, to do whatever they wanted and they kind of almost got greedy with it <laughs> and mm. couldn't keep it together.
0: Yep, excellent. Who else would you like to mention? I want to
1: talk about um, Kabade or Kabidi. Apologies for the pronunciation. and I do still have a little bit of trouble uh, really figuring this character out because arguably I, I think he's a real hero character um, and his decision to stay and help whilst he's not tied to the baggage of disobeying orders or abandonment of family, it's based on the fact that his life is literally dedicated to saving these people. And, and if, he, if he saved 100,000 people when he still had another 100 people left, then there'd be no question about his next move, no matter what the risks. It's kind of like he's the clean, cleansed version of what, of what Ari is. But I don't feel like we get enough from him. I think it's almost just like, yeah, he's just so good. This guy's really good. And that's all we kind of get. And I, I wanted
0: a bit more it's like they sort of left him out from a huge chunk in the middle that we could have followed along a bit more. And like I mentioned at the start too, that that's the sort of the side of the story that's probably more important is to see what he's Mm -hmm. actually doing with these peoples in that refuge and, and the work that he's doing to get them there in the first place. And we understand like, you know, it's almost that the background behind him and and Ari, they're almost too similar in their, save everyone at all costs whereas you sort of need a little bit of a differentiation between them whereas you you want to make kabedi the the actual hero of this film and show us some more flaws in ari instead i don't know if that's um i don't know it's a tricky one because obviously like when i was looking at this this guy's actually probably one of the characters that's actually based on a real character so he's based on um this activist from Ethiopia called ferretti aklam um and he was you know it, it it I feel like if you've got a real person, then, the, then you can, that fake character or the, the composite character, you can change a bit more.
1: It's a great point as well, um, particularly when you do talk about the whole white saviour of this film. We take for granted that um, Ari Levinson had like 300 people on a nightly basis just delivered to him so that he could smuggle them out. the work that went into getting them to him in the first place would have been astronomical and it's again it's kind of glossed over and i guess that's where they've missed a beat when when making this film because maybe there's a a true hero story there and maybe that doesn't resonate with the western audience so i mean that's that's a decision that you make right all right anyone else i do want to talk about sammy i know there's lots of characters and i can't really glean much from them but for me, Sammy was was the voice of reason in this film and, and definitely the character that I identified with the most. Um, I think they probably glossed over a little bit was the work that he actually does and his ability to want to be there and put himself in danger to help. And I think that coincides with his pretty logical hesitance to take these risks. I think everyone else's heralders are, you're so great because you didn't think twice about going in and helping. I think it's kind of normal to, to think twice about putting yourself in these situations. And I think throughout the film, he's the one who's providing that logical path forward and he gets ignored pretty blatantly. And he eventually cracks, which I like too. I just, I feel like a lot of the audience would have identified with him. And I think that's why this character works and why he's actually really, really important to make this film um, function properly or otherwise it is just almost
0: like a hero film, that um, you can't really relate to. Yeah, I think. It was nice to see sort of the, the resent that he held towards Ari gave you that opposite to, you know, to, to feeling like, yes, this guy is a little bit um, over the top and a little bit too um, irrational sometimes with his decision-making. And I think the one thing behind him a little bit, I, I probably wanted one clear understanding as to why he just follows Ari so blindly. I just wanted to say, you know, what what is it about your connection to him? Like, yes, we know you want to do good. But you can do good in so many other ways as well. So what is it about following Ari that why do you have to do that? I think just one little bit, that a little bit more behind that than them having worked previously in the past.
1: Oh, for sure. I totally agree. I think this film could have have really benefited from actually focusing more on this character and why he feels the way he does. Because then you actually see the proper holes in Ari as opposed to just seeing them on the surface and that's why you still have to walk away from this film going, Oh, Chris Evans just played a hero in this film. What a great, what a great role that was. But if you actually focus more on Sammy, all they do is is have that little, and that kind of, I really like the scene where they, where he just went nuts at him in the jail cell and they obviously end up having a fight. But the end of that scene is just them going, Oh yeah, we had a fight. And that was it. And I, I think that was a really good opportunity to really open up and go, Hey, this is a really flawed hero. Like you can re- read between the lines and see how flawed Ari is because Sammy is the one that's actually exposing it. And yeah, there's something romantic about him that you do want to follow him. Let's let's see it more. Let's show it more. So you're 100% right. I think not just for this character, but I think it,
0: it elevates the film in general. There was a whole range of other characters is there, there any that you wanted to like there wasn't a lot of context behind the rest of them, but is there any that you wanted to touch on? There's actually not and Ben Kingsley's in this film, but I wanted
1: to talk about him and I'm just racking my brain. I'm like, he's just a nothing sort of character. And I thought, Greg Kinnear,
0: maybe there's something right. there, but there's not really. It's it's all what you see is what you get, I think, with these characters. yeah, I had them all listed, but there's... like <laughs> so even, the, even the other partners, it's like, you didn't really learn much about apart no. Rachel. Maybe who was sort of that steady mind, um, but the other two blokes didn't really add anything at all other than just being there. No. <laughs> I I was
1: expecting more from Rachel too. It kind of just went nowhere um, Mm. with her. She became
0: very much a bit part when I thought she was going to be more. Mm. Uh, The director, Gideon Raff, anything that you found out about him?
1: Well, he's born in Israel, so obviously there's a connection to this story. Um, And I think I read him saying something like he he grew up knowing this story, not necessarily the ins and outs of it, but he was very familiar with the the idea of the Ethiopian Jews and, and getting them to Israel in some capacity, but... He's a writer producer on Homeland, probably his biggest his biggest credit in the industry. And apart from a couple of small horror esque movies in 07 and 08, this is his
0: only directing gig on a feature film, I believe. But he's done a fair bit of TV. Yeah, I think the only thing I'll echo is lots of writing for Homeland and directing like some episodes of Quantico. So um, probably leads well to him getting this, this film and, and, and those, you know, it's the same sort of style and genre that you can you can see from those TV shows in this as well.
1: Yeah. Well, he wrote this as well, right? So yeah. he's obviously invested in the in the story.
0: Mm. Okay. Same time. What are some scenes in this that you enjoyed?
1: You're going to hate this. There's one thing that I did like, and it's really, really cheesy, and I don't know why I liked it, because in some films I wouldn't like it, but it just I just liked it in this film. They had so many times where they kind of assembled in like a hero <laughs> shot formation. <laughs> it happened like the
0: first time and i was like
1: oh this is kind of cool and they just kept doing it i'm like you know what i'm in
0: for it it's like the one on the beach where the camera just like goes across all their faces and i was like oh god they're the avengers are they (laughs) you imagine there's like
1: these spots in the sand it's like all right by the time the camera's here you need to end up there and you need to look brooding over into the distance i don't know i just i kind (laughs) of like that in a real cheesy way um I thought, I thought the first run they did was pretty good. And I'm, I'm talking about um, the the way it made me feel, the, the, the thriller sort of elements to it that elicited emotion. The first run they did was pretty good when you sort of figure out what we're actually going to be doing and how it's going to work. And I was sort of sure they were going to fail and I didn't want them to. I thought that would have been a bit, um, bit too cliche. So the idea of them succeeding with that first run actually felt really good to me but then i also realized that it's based on a true story and they probably just did just succeed over and over again and that's why this hasn't been a movie until now um and then on from that i, I don't normally oh sometimes i do that's not fair but i really liked that the the montage they had with the the Duran Duran hungry like was it dren hungry like a wolf, like the wolf i actually liked that montage because it, it gave you context of the scope of this because watching the film you're not sure whether this is a a task that okay, we've got to get two groups of people out and we're done. But then you sort of get the idea like, no, this is this is really much, very much an ongoing mission uh, and we need to try and keep this sustainable in some capacity. And, and they actually did that really well without laboring the point. So
0: it worked for me. I, um, and I, um, I, yeah, you got yeah, it. That was the one thing in this movie I did not like. Um Your montage. Nah. I, compared to the rest of it, it just was a bit more cheesy. Like the... I mean, uh, especially with the transition from the song into them singing it around the campfire, and um, I don't know. It just, I understand. Like to do a montage to show the everyday workings of what they were doing on that resort, that's good. Like that, that would work fine. I just feel like that the the song just didn't really fit. Um, anyway, that's, that's me. I, th- I think <laughs> that
1: actually tied in with the tone that you expected that this resort was trying to, or the vibe that this resort was trying to give off. But and that, yeah, again, it was, I guess, a little bit jarring to the tone mm-hmm. of the film
0: itself. But I guess that's why I think it did work. Um, it wasn't the, the, only other, the, lead, yeah. the, lead, the lead-in scene before that was the one where the, the colonel was um, was sort of questioning the people in the, in the village, wasn't it? So you go from this really heavy scene I'm, I'm pretty sure it was around the same sort of time. Like you go from this heavy scene into that and I don't know, it just, uh, yeah. Anyway, mm, sorry. Yeah. It may have been, I'm not hundred percent
1: sure. I feel like it was more um, transitionally clean, but I can't quite remember now. Uh, the only other scene I do have is the final sequence. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I thought it was worth mentioning them trying to get out on the plane. And the, it did take the, the Colonel and his team quite a while to get there. It felt like they seemed pretty close the whole time. And, um, yeah, I just, it all kind of came together quite nicely. It wasn't a groundbreaking scene, but it's worth calling
0: out. Cool. Um, speaking of montages before, I, I didn't mind the montage of Ari getting the crew together. It was almost like an Avengers-esque, let's, let's pick everyone out for their, um, for their abilities and and bring them together to create a super team. So I thought that was, that was a bit of fun. Um, There's a bit of triple frontier about that. Yes, that's very true. Um, the, the, the tourism industry dude. Uh, I didn't mind the scenes with him. I thought he um, added a little bit of humour into what was not a very, uh, very uh, humorous film at all and a bit of life, bit, a bit of energy, um, as, You know, especially in his office when they're giving him the bribe and then helping them escape from the, the jail too. I, I just thought that he just added something um, that wasn't really there in anything else. Um, the other part, I guess... Of, this is this is a funny one. So um, there's a scene where Ari gets out of bed and he's got no clothes on. And I was like, I sort of like was like, hang on, did I just, did I just miss checking out Chris Evans' junk? So I paused it and replayed just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Um, I like that scene. Uh, this isn't a Chris Pine kind of thing, mate. We're not. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, That's America's ass. Remember? Yeah, true. Um, and the last thing I, uh, that I thought was done really well was that dinner scene at the resort when the soldiers rock up. The the uh, it was mm-hmm. really tense. Um, I that felt fear for those refugees that they were, you know, trying to move around the resort while they're sitting there, and it was just. I, th- I think it was um, apart from the the colonel's interactions with the waitress, which I, I didn't really like. I think that the rest of the the build up around getting them down to the water was was well done.
1: I think the colonel's interactions with the waitresses worked because you got to see. I mean, you already knew they were a threat, but what a what a terrifying threat they actually are. Yep. Yeah, good point. All right, anything that you didn't like? Um, yeah, not as much as I thought. I this might sound harsh, but when the woman who drowned herself at the start, it just bothered me that Sammy was like two meters away from her, and then he couldn't find her. Like she she was so close, and then all of a sudden she was so far. I I, I don't know. Let's just call that like it was poorly shot in some way because it didn't feel believable. Like I thought it was just someone who's going to commit suicide in the America. or The um, the white people are going to come save the day again. But, um, and it wasn't but like didn't. the
0: water wasn't like, like, it wasn't a flowing river or anything like that. It was pretty nah.
1: still. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't really work,
0: did it? Um, and the other thing, again,
1: I think this scene annoyed me a little bit because I feel like I missed um, Chris Evans talking to his daughter in the film about the connection that they have with the ethiopian jews i just it just went over my head i think he had like one line on why they should be doing it and i was hungry for more but i also felt like his daughter was too old to be drawing those pictures of her family and then whooshing aeroplanes around i I get that it had a nice little transition where it turned into the she had the branding and everything on that airplane (laughs) but she seemed way too old to be doing that kind of stuff good point Also, the idea of her sending him the picture at the end of the film with him in the... Like, what's happened in the past five years for you to be like, you know what? That's my dad. We are
0: a family again. It's like, you haven't seen him. (laughs) That was strange too. Yeah, I had that as well. I think that um, especially like he received that letter a lot earlier. And so he had so many (laughs) moments. Sorry, yeah. (laughs) Just for this dramatic uh, part at the end, I'll I'll definitely open it up. Like, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. That was it for me though. All right. Um, yeah, I'm, I mentioned the the montage before. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm putting this in here just because for context. But and it's not that I didn't like the scene; it just brought up bad memories. And maybe it's because it was well done. But that scene at the end where they're all getting on the plane, it just brought back memories of the recent thing in Afghanistan with trying to get all those people on that plane at the same time. There's some of those shots that just look so similar to something that's happened in 2021. And um, I don't know. I, I just feel like you needed the, the the pilot sort of making, kicking up such a big deal about, you know, mm. I can't fit you all in, and then they spend a couple of minutes taking out all the chairs and things like that. it doesn't add anything to the story. It's just like, open the plane, get them on and go. Because obviously if you know the story, there's more than one plane and it didn't add anything further to the, the chase from the soldiers because you, you knew that they were gonna get out. So just a little bit more tight, especially when the film's over two hours,
1: It just didn't add anything. I I agree with everything you're saying. What they would have liked to have happened when they're editing this film is that that tension is just so high that you're sitting in your living room yelling at the TV, just like, pull the chairs out! Like, I, I, I can't watch Argo without that last scene where they're trying to get onto the plane and not just be in absolute, like, sweats. And I remember watching that at the movies. And I've never done this before that I was and I, literally on the edge of my seat. Like by the time that scene finished, I like took stock of where I was. I'm like, oh, that's why they call it on the edge of your seat. Because I had moved <laughs> forward into
0: my seat. And, and that's what they would have wanted to create. And you're right. They didn't, they didn't create didn't that. Yeah. Good explanation. Thank you. That was, that was good. Um, <laughs> themes and ideas. What, what's, uh, what's this one saying? Yeah. Like in a, in a really literal way,
1: this is the idea of, of right versus wrong that that question comes up so often in the film and um that idea is very very much guided by the political decisions that govern these movements and and then that just dictates what can be achieved when you've got a moral decision versus a political decision and i think so much of this film is like ah we can't do any more because we're being pulled out all right let's start again and regroup and then finally in the final scene it's appealing to Greg Kinnear's character and go look the political decision isn't to bring a plane in and free these people but you know what you're a human I'm a human what do you want to do about it and you 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 do have to make that moral decision from from time to time um I do kind of appreciate that there was no romance in this film like no one really had a romantic connection with anybody which is so rare in films just to even have one little flitter of um connection with two characters that you sort of show that wasn't there at all because it would have not been relevant or
0: would have gotten away the of the story they're trying to tell. So I did appreciate that. Um, did almost, yeah. There's a heap more. Uh, I did almost think that maybe there was something, cause on the plane at the end, um, was it Rachel was like leaning on Jake or Max or one of them. And I was like, maybe there was, they tried to put something in there and it just yeah. decided to leave it out. But yeah, I think uh, good, good point.
1: Um, but yeah, that, that, like there's obviously the whole idea of murder and genocide, and
0: yep. the historical aspects of this film, but yeah, um, yeah, there's, there's there's a bit in it. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with you on that. Doing the right thing, and they and make it clear right at the end too with the refugee issue in the world. Like they just, I guess, even if this film highlights the the issue that the current world still faces, and it was like sixty five million displaced people in the world still. Like that's that's a lot of people um, in in a current society that that don't have a home that they've had to so flee good. their home. So, um, I think that the sad thing about this is that the theme of this film should have been the idea of, of why these people are fleeing. So like racism, anti semitism, and that they should have been the driving force of this film and they're not touched on. So I think that is a little bit of a, a negative thing when they could have quite easily been incorporated into this um, through this idea of, of being a hero, um, except making other people the hero rather than a white dude, I guess. <laughs> mm, yeah, no,
1: you're right. It, that makes a different movie and probably a better one. Yep. Um, what did you take away from this? Look, one thing they did really well was um, I always get that that feeling of unease when you're in a foreign country with different rules and you never quite know what you're doing and, and whether it's the right thing or whether you're going to get in trouble. And they actually created that very, very well. Um, I definitely felt that so often in the film. Um, look, the, the other side of what I take away is that, is that I've learned something watching this film. I was wildly unaware of... of Obviously, just the hardships that these Ethiopian Jews in general have gone through, let alone this mission itself and what actually took place. So that's something that I take away and something that I learn. I think when I look back on this film, I don't think I can ever shake off the Argo comparisons. I think whenever I think about it, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, this was that that Argo film," because that's that's what it felt like. You know, so much of it felt like that. But there, there is there is other
0: components that um, that will stick with me. I'm going to be repetitive here. And I'm just going to say. I'm taking away from this film that if you're going to make a film around such an important issue and cover the evacuation of people, you need to give context to the reason behind why they're being evacuated or give the story of those people. Um, and to me, that's the takeaway from this, is that you can't tell a story like this without telling the story of the people that you, you, you're putting forth. So that's all I'm taking away.
1: I think it's a, it, it's a limitation in the film. And I think there's going to be, and probably why, the critic scores are so low on Rotten Tomatoes, for example. But on the flip side, there's some really high audience scores who who are more than happy to take that leap of faith. And I know people that would watch this film and go, "Yeah, that was a great film. I really enjoyed it." It's like I oh, said, so why were they taking that? Why were the Ethiopian Jews trying to flee? It's like, oh, I don't know. They were just in danger. And that's sometimes that's enough for audiences. And I wonder they just got to a point making this film where we're like, we're just going to rely on that and and hope that the entertainment factor gets the rest over the line, which, you know, you could argue that the scores are, there's enough people that did like this film um, and that's what
0: they took out of it. But I agree with you, it, it limits the film in a big way. And I'm not saying that I disliked her because I think it was still a well-made film and it was, it, yeah. uh, the performances were still good. It still looked great. It's just that idea of, I just want something a bit more, especially when, yeah, a, this type of film. Um, yep. I'm DB. Did you go on to look anyone up that you recognised?
1: I had a great one for this one, Jesse. Um, I, Sammy comes on screen, played by Alessandro Navola, who I don't know, don't recognise the name, but I saw him I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Like, I know that guy. Like, where's he in? Expecting to jump on IMDb and see like five things and be like, oh yeah, it's that guy. And I'm flicking, I'm like, I haven't seen anything that he's done. Like he was in A Most Violent Year and he was in The Eye with Jessica Albert. I've seen these films and I'm like, oh, I'm not, not recognising him. And I keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Jurassic Park 3. He, he's Billy in Jurassic Park 3, which I've seen that, you know, a number of times. And uh, it's just occurred to me. I've never really noticed him afterwards. But I know it, it's Billy from Jurassic Park 3. It, it was um, It was very satisfying to
0: discover that. Amazing. That's a, that's a really good one, especially with you, uh, with Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah. so, well, right on. I, uh, I didn't jump on to check anyone out. So um, that leads us into question time. Are there any questions that you wanted to ask about it?
1: I've only got one and it's not a great question, but uh, the first thing that popped into my head in that uh, airplane evacuation scene was where do you reckon they got all those glow sticks from? Because it just didn't seem
0: like the sort of place that there were hundreds of glow sticks lying around. When I was watching, I thought exactly the same thing because, you know, you see them with a couple, like, yeah, cool. They've got a couple in like an emergency pack, but then there's like a shot that goes up and there's like hundreds down the (laughs) runway. And then what happened to the tree? They're like, there's a tree on the runway. They just went over it. They got Yeah, I know. They, they like, almost it. So yeah, I don't understand. Like, why, why make a comment about the tree being on there if, like, you know, it's not even going to impact it anyway? Uh, anyway, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they obviously just went to the $2 shop and,
1: and got a bunch of glow sticks. But uh, yeah, they, they could have showed that shopping mall because I didn't see it. Maybe they have
0: uh, lots of rave parties in Sudan. Um, <laughs> <of oysters. laughs> um, I've only got one as well. And I just wanted to, to say, you know, would Netflix have expected this to be Oscar bait? Ooh, I doubt
1: it. Because, um, I mean, the film is finished by the time they pick it up. So they've seen it, right? Yeah. I, I don't think you watch this film and think this is going to
0: win, right. win okay. any awards. Uh,
1: that's my thought. Maybe but maybe on paper before it gets yeah. made yeah. with the cast or with Chris Evans and uh, oh, actually Greg Kinnear and Ben Kingsley mm. is actually not a bad yep. cast. On paper, yeah, maybe there's something there. But by the time that they came on board, it was... um, And the fact that Fox
0: jumped off, you
1: know, is probably not a good sign either. So
0: I wouldn't have thought so. I don't know, just that whole, you know, the idea that Fox were producing it as an independent film and Netflix jumped in, you got a good cast. It's a, a story, like you mentioned, that's similar to Argo. And this is that time where Netflix were, you know, pushing sorts of films that they wanted to get sort of awards um recognition yeah you know, yeah they still are obviously and you know even in the like we we've done a lot of you know even last week we did that shocking film and that was still nominated for some sort of award somewhere this got nothing at all which no. just you know not even an editing award or a best set best location award or something like that it just mm. i don't know it just felt a bit weird that there was nothing at all yeah
1: yeah it's, it's a good point um i don't know i, I don't think Uh, For what it's worth, I think it's a good pick by Netflix. I think there's enough in this film to go, hey, we got this, we got this thriller, let's call it a suspenseful thriller in some aspects about a true story with Captain America starring and a couple of other really familiar faces. And just you got to watch it in your living room. Like, this is, this feels like actually a really good get by Netflix, really smart get. Mm. And, um, and look, it did okay, but I reckon, not that we can find out, but the money they would have paid for it potentially probably wouldn't have. Netted their results, I would have liked,
0: especially with the numbers of, of eyeballs that we've seen that have uh, rated or logged this anywhere. Yeah, they'd much rather yeah. watch Secret Obsession. Thank God, let's kind of wrap this up. This is uh, where we we put our ideas together for a average out of five uh, finish for us.
1: Yeah, look, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was pretty engaging and. To me, it surprisingly didn't overstay its uh, hundred. It didn't overstay its welcome with 130-minute runtime. Um, it just it lacked any real punch, and and you feel like they had to work really hard to make this what is what is a really impressive true story, but it doesn't matter so much on the screen as a historical thriller. Um, they just didn't quite do enough to really get the heart pumping and the palms sweaty like you you, you could have imagined they could have done with this film, but. Uh, it's still it's still three stars to me.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like everything I, I feel very repetitive uh, this time. <laughs> I've got an awful lot of different things to say because you know it, it looked good, well made. the The things like I've mentioned are the the issues with the narrative and the point of view from the story. So I think you know this story needs to be told. People need to hear this story to, to hear that there are still so many people displaced in the world and and the more evidence of, of trauma that the Jewish community have gone through. Um, so, I'm still giving it a three as well, so it gives us a three. That's yeah, it's solid. It's a solid film.
1: What do you think about the runtime? Because I didn't hate it. It actually, it was kind of all right.
0: Yeah, it. I didn't. It didn't drag. There weren't times where I was mm. constantly checking how long to go. I mean, it. Yeah, considering it, like you mentioned, it's over two hours. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how much more they had. Uh, it, there was a lot left <laughs> on the cutting room floor, but yeah, I mean, I can't really see a lot of it being needing to be you know timed up at all yeah,
1: yeah yeah exactly
0: well we've got social twitter facebook instagram and the the question i had for to pop on there for socials we've already covered it already but did you find this uh problematic because of the white savior narrative and i think we've both sort of uh, covered that already
1: yeah i recognized that watching it and kind of thought it you know it left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth but it certainly didn't derail the
0: film for me no Good. All right. Well, um, we will be back again next week for another film. We've got a comedy next week. So switching up uh, from 2019, it's called Other Hood directed by Cindy Chupac. It stars a good cast here, Angela Bassett, Patricia Arquette, Felicity Huffman, Jake Hoffman, Jake Lacey, and Sinqua Walls. So that's what we have next week. Never heard of it. This will be interesting. Me either. I've got no idea over this one. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll come into it with open eyes. I mean, this yeah, this uh, a good um, trio of middle-aged uh, female cast, so it could be a good one.
1: It is interesting. The last three or four films we've done have been such different films, and that's the beauty of Netflix, right? They don't have they, they're catering to everybody, and that's what I mean, what a, what a great audience to have when you've got everyone in the world in some capacity wants to watch one of your
0: films. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Then, yes, am I? Excellent. Well, as always, um, it's always nice to to, to debrief and and discuss uh, our thoughts. So thank you for for being here. Thank you, and
1: I look forward to talking to you again next week. Sounds good. To see you then.